Today, we're going to complete our, we're in our second part of our series called The Architect. So I want everybody to turn to the person next to you and say, Architect. And then you've got to say it like it's a spy movie, The Architect. Some action movie where somebody's going to get stabbed. No, don't, no, no, not like that. But, but when we started the series uh, last week, we, we talked about how God is the great architect. In fact, when you look at his characteristics throughout Scripture, we go to the first characteristic that we find about God in Genesis chapter 1. God is, before he's the God our provider, before he's God our father, he is God the designer. He is God the great creator. For the, uh, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He's the great architect, and that's what architects do. They design, they plan, and they build it from scratch. So I got John, eye candy, um, here with me today. <laughs> And so uh, I asked John, I said, John's an architect, and uh, he corrected me last time. He said, no, I'm, I haven't completed all my pieces, but he is acting as an architect, working at an architectural firm, has a couple more licensing pieces to get. But I asked him, again, to stand, sit up here and continue drawing architectural drawings. Last week, if you were here, he drew for 45 minutes twice in two services. He's like, do I have to do it again? I was like, yes, I'm the pastor. And... Uh, He's like, okay, whatever. And so he's, he's, so he's going to represent God today and God's plans as God has been drawing out and making plans for us as individuals and for humanity as a whole. And so we, our key verse last week was Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. So God has a plan for you. Did you know that? Say yes, yes. You know now, right? God has a plan for you. God had a a, a plan to prosper you. He has a plan to protect you. He has a plan and a hope and a future. He wants to give you these things. That's God's plan. That's in his architectural design. That's in his pieces that he he has put together. And the beauty about an architect is that they can see the beginning from the end. That's an amazing gift that architects possess. uh, uh, The great architect, actually, before you ever were born... According to Ephesians, he actually pre, uh, he predestined you and prepared you before you ever the earth was ever founded. He picked you and chose you. So he has a plan and a purpose for every one of our lives. And we quoted Jeremiah twenty nine eleven because this is a passage where Israel had gotten away from God. And as a result, King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian Empire had conquered them, kidnapped them, and took them off to Babylon. And the prophet Jeremiah got a word from the Lord and says, he said, tell them that though they've been rebellious... And though they are away from me, to go ahead and settle in, build houses, make babies, because in 70 years, I'm going to bring them home because I have a plan and a purpose for them. I am orchestrating a plan. God has a plan for your life. The, the reason why this is so critical, because when you don't know the plan for your life, you will give yourselves over to any other plan. And so today, we're going to go a step further. Last week, we were talking about God has a plan. Part of his plan for us is that we would be worshipers. The part of his plan is that we'd be overcomers. And part of his plan for our lives is that we would look like him, act like him, and talk like him. But the problem with this whole plan that God has for you and I is that Satan also has a plan. In fact, what I get asked a lot of times as a minister and as a, as a person who interacts with people who are struggling with theology, if God is so good... And he has a plan. Then why does his plan include harm and hurtfulness to people? I watched an atheist on a discussion about that. I cannot believe in a God who allows cancer in babies. So there is no God. For the Bible says it like this. The things of the Lord are foolishness to those who are perishing. But we must answer these questions. If God the great architect has designed our lives... 
and has a plan at work. And he knows the beginning from the end. And he sees where we would be born and how we would be born and who would be our parents. And he orchestrated the things of life. Then why has he allowed evil in the earth? Why has evil and difficulty come into the earth? So there are three big questions or three big points that I want you... Three big truths that I want you to take away from today. We'll, I'll just roll them out for you and then we'll go back and look at them. The first big truth that I want you to work, uh, get today, and that is Satan has a plan for you just as much as God has a plan. Somebody ought to say amen. Anybody with wisdom in the room. The second thing, truth that I want you to walk away from is that God did not and does not work evil in humanity. He doesn't. Okay, And the third big truth that I, out of Scripture I want you to walk away with, and it's going to be hard for some of you, especially some of you coming out of the hyper-faith environment, and that is God uses suffering for His great purposes. Yep. He uses it. He does. And we'll look at that. So let's start with the first big truth that I want you to get. If you've got your Bibles or your notebooks, go ahead and get them ready, and let's start kind of jotting down some things. Number one, Satan has a plan for you too. John 10.10 says it like this. This is Jesus speaking. He said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If you keep reading the next verse, Jesus said, but I've come that you may have life and have life more abundantly. But so if God has a plan, and according to what we quoted uh, last week, Jeremiah 29.11, a plan to prosper you, a plan for a hope and a future, then you've got to understand that Satan, the great deceiver, also has a set of blueprints on you. A set of plans that he is looking to in- integrate into your life so that he can destroy you. Because see, here's what you've got to understand about how this whole thing works. God has set the plan into motion, but you and I are the builders of the plan. The blueprints God has put into place, but we are the ones to go forth and build our lives. God doesn't build our life. God doesn't, God doesn't say, okay, I'm going to force you to live like this. I'm going to force you. I'm going to do it, and you're just going to do what I tell you to do. God gave us what we call free will. So though he has a plan, he's given us the free will to choose his plan or the architectural drawings from the enemy's camp. And you've got to understand that the, the, what happened uh, in, 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 the, uh, in the garden. So Adam and Eve are made in the image of God in all perfection. There was no sin in them. There was no insecurity in them. There was no perversion in them. There was no hatred in them. There was no, there was no uh, pain and suffering, no sickness. There was no cancer. There were cancer spots on their naked bodies out in the sun. There was none of that. They didn't even know they were naked until the moment came where the enemy, Satan, Lucifer, if you will, came to them and said, what did God say? What is God's plans? Did he say that you could not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Yes, that's what he said. Well, actually, what he's saying is he doesn't want you to be like him. See, look at this. This is what he's saying. And the moment they said, oh, you're right. Yeah, then we will rebel against God. What happened to humanity is, although we had God's DNA, we were fully complete and perfect. Because God, after six days, after creating man, he looked at it all and said, it's finished, it's perfect, it's done. I told the first service, I have never walked into my house and said, man, it's perfect, it is done. I am finished. You know what I'm talking about? I always walk in, man, I got to get that, Kelly Ackers. (laughs) I always walk in, man, we got to get rid of that old nasty seedling fan. That's from 1975. I just don't want to go get another one. I don't even want to get, I don't want to fool with that. Come on, you, you, how, many, how many pieces of, of walls do you need to paint in your house? And, 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 and God said, he said, it's finished, it's done, it's perfect. So God didn't create imperfection in you and me. What happened was when Satan lied to Adam and Eve and they bought into that, 
His DNA became a part of our DNA. His DNA of lying, manipulating, sin, death, destruction came a part of our DNA. So Adam and Eve had children and automatically Cain is full of hatred and anger and jealousy, the Bible calls it. Where did he get that from? Not from God. God was, God's, God's plans were perfect. So where did the destruction come from? But he has come to steal, kill, and destroy. So you've got to understand there's always a battle in mind in your life as to which plan will we follow. Which, which part of us, because we have a flesh that's part of the DNA of Satan and, 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 and hell, <laughs> brimstone, and then we've got the part of God inside of us, and we've got this war going on back and forth. And so you and I have the ability to choose which is beautiful is what God gave us. And so he can be sovereign and put his plans in work, at work, but he can also be so sovereign that he gives us the ability to choose and gives us choice. It's unbelievable what free will and his ability to back off and say, I've set it into motion, but I give you free will to walk and to build according to what I've set in place. If you don't, that's your choice, but I put it into place. Stay with me. And so Satan has a plan as well. And according to Jesus, his plans are to kill, steal, and destroy. If you don't have peace, Satan has killed and destroyed your peace. You've got a case of what I call SKDs. Steal, kills, and destroys. If you don't have confidence in your life, you got a case, come on, say it with me, of SKDs. If you don't have purity in your life, you're going to end up with an ST, I mean, an SKD. <laughs> I, uh, I told the first service, my wife doesn't like me to tell this story. <laughs> but did I temper it good enough this last time, didn't I? Oh, she said I didn't. I was, uh, I, was in, I was in high school, I'd gotten saved on fire for God, and I was dating this gal, been dating her for a couple years, and uh, thought she was the one. Been thinking, you know, Jamie said I quoted that wrong. I started dating her when I was 14 and broke up, we broke up at 16, but I thought she was the one at 14 years old, I just knew who my wife was. And, um, and when she broke up with me, she broke up with me and, went, and started dating my best friend the next day. Now, I, it shook me to the core of who I was because I'm Adam McCain. I mean, it was a privilege that you got to date me. All the new people are like, he is so egotistical. And so and I just couldn't believe that she did this to me. And I, it, it shook my confidence a little bit. And so what did a great, good Christian school kid youth group kid do I went to the youth group down the street and found me another one (laughs) within the week I went over to that other youth group big youth group found the first hoochie mama I could have I grabbed her she was good looking too I brought her and I brought her to youth group and I brought her right up in the front row set right in front of my ex-girlfriend and my ex-best friend and I sat next to her and the whole time I'm just "Mm -hmm. amen (laughs) praise the lord I think I dated her all of a week (laughs) The whole goal, she was the jealousy date. Come on, y'all have done that. Don't be, tell, don't be looking humble. And so I'll never forget, you know, I, I took her to a youth group, and then I took her to a youth outing we were having. I was just trying to make my ex-girlfriend jealous of my best friend. All the guys in the youth group were like, man, she's fine. Where would you get her, man? And I was like, yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? But she was loosey-goosey, and I, and I knew it, but I didn't care because you know what? I'm getting back at everybody who did me dirty in this situation. I'll never forget that Friday night, 
I'd taken her out on a date, and I came home, and at those days, I had a 1976 Toyota Corolla stick shift. It, it, had, uh, it was supposed to have four gears and only had three, and air the air condition came from the floorboard on the passenger side. Some of y'all had a car like that, huh? <laughs> Is the holes, you know, anyway, and so uh, the rusted out spots, and so we're sitting there, and, and we get to talking, and before I know it, she's kind of you know, rubbing on my ear, and she's snuggling with me, and she's, watch out, Jesus, and she's getting close, and she starts kissing me on the cheek, and, but the problem was I had that stick shift, you know, two bucket seats, stick shift, and before I know it, she has climbed over, she's sitting in my lap, face to face, in my lap, and we are making out hot and heavy, come on, help me, Jesus, and I'm, man, I'm going for it, I was like, it's PG-13. I hope you don't have your little kids in here. And uh, I'm making out, man, and man, I'm, 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 it's, it's about to happen. It's about to be on. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me. I said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm about to get my groove on. I don't know what you're doing, but I don't know what I'm about to do. And I'll never forget, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me as clearly as I've ever been spoken to. He said, I have a plan to use you, and you're about to destroy it. Wow. And I said, No. I'm making out with this girl and arguing with God in my head. Come on, y'all have done this with sin. And I said, no, God, that's not true. Because you have grace and mercy. And you forgive people when they sin. And you've done that. I've seen them testify at church. I used to be saved and I went away from God. I did drugs and, and I went prostituting and all. But God gave grace to me. I said, and you'll do the same for me. He goes, that's true. He said, I do have grace and mercy. But the anointing that I'm trying to place on you will be routed. And the plans will be routed. And yeah, I'll use you. But you'll not be able to stand in front of thousands and thousands and say that God can sustain you when you yourself could not live uprightly for me. You couldn't say to young people, live holy if you won't live holy. And so I'm releasing, I'm going to take my anointing off of your life right now. And I pushed her away. I'm in the name of Jesus. And she's like, oh my God, what's wrong with you? I was like, look, you need to, you need to get over there. Get, get. She's like, oh, my goodness, what's wrong with you? I'm like, hey, you need to get out of my car. She's like, what do you mean get out of your car? I'm like, get out of my car. Get out of my car. Get out of my car. I'm, I'm peeling through the neighborhood at midnight, you know. And I'm like, oh, God, oh, God, don't destroy the plan of God that you have for me. Listen to me, friend. God has a plan, but Satan has a plan. See, I had a moment. In that moment, I would not be able to stand before you and say, not only does God forgive, but God sustains. If you'll stand for him, he'll stand with you. I wouldn't have any right to say that. Because in that moment, in that moment, in that moment, I made a decision. God's plans, not Satan's plans. I want to show you how this works. I got a little, a little scale up here I want to show you. So all of us are on life's road. All of us are on life's road. And whether you realize this or not, I'm sorry if someone else has preached something different to you, but on life's road, there are obstacles and difficulties. Somebody say amen. That's true. And then when we hit those difficulties in life's road, boom, we then, because God built it in, have free will. We can choose. Lord, they just diagnosed me with cancer. Are you even there? How can I trust it? Why would you let something horrible happen to me? And I've watched people, see the red line? Take the enemy's blueprints and say, you know what? It's not even worth it anymore. I'm going to live for myself with the time that I have left. And then I've seen others. So you know what, Lord? Yet though you slay me, will I trust you? 
Because all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. A couple weeks ago, a couple in our church, some of you were here when we, we had them testify about it. The Dowenhowers. You know, when that child died after 56 minutes of being alive, and they called me over to the house and I sat with that dead baby in my arms. I've been in a lot of tragedy in my life. I, I've ministered to a lot of difficult situations. This was a little bit more difficult than most because it was a precious child. And I sat there holding that child, and, and I wanted to cry out for God to heal it. And quietly under my breath, that's what I was doing, and raise it from the dead. But the bigger thing that was tormenting me is I'm looking into the eyes of this couple, and I know they've hit the obstacle. And I know they've got a choice. And I know that even if they, on the outside, act all good about it, that on the inside, the plans of the enemy could be tempting and pulling and tugging at them to make them bitter, to cause them not to believe in God, to cause them to say, Where, why did God fail me in my, in my biggest need? I know that's happening inside of them. And I'm praying. I'm, I'm, I'm more worried about, God, please, can you make a way in the midst of the enemy's plans? I'll never forget, I look at Dorothy and she's sitting in the bed that she had just given birth to and Dustin's beside them. Their little kids are running in and out wanting to know why their little sister is dead. And I'm holding this child sitting in a little rocking chair across from him. And Dorothy looked at me and she said, Pastor Adam, God is good all the time. And I know that he will take this tragedy and bring something beautiful from it. And I just began to weep because... What, what could have been a destruction of this family became a path of life that leads to, I have a plan, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. But if you follow this road, then you've got this. Steal, kill, and destroy. To destroy your hope, to destroy your joy, to destroy your peace, to destroy everything about you until ultimately you're not just dead, but your children are dead on the inside, and your grandkids are dead on the inside, and you've killed the very generational plan that I have for you, and you've destroyed it. Why? Because you took the other plans, and you said, no, this fits me better. You took those blueprints, and this is how we deal with that. Instead of saying, Lord, what did you design? What does your blueprints say? The first thing you and I have to know is that Satan is a thief. And he's here to destroy you. And he has a plan to kill you. The second thing I want you to know, in light of the great architect, is that God did not and does not work evil in humanity. He doesn't. And so how can you justify this, this, and this? Before we get to that, look at this. Psalms 92.15. The Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no wickedness in him. Psalms 34, 16. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. God's not just, he doesn't just not do evil. He cuts off those who do. His face is against them. There's no evil in him. 1 John 1, 5. God is light. We quoted this in our message a couple weeks ago. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. Everybody say at all. At all. all. Say at all. all. There's no darkness in him at all. And then I love James 1, 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So you got to understand, God is not putting evil in the earth. He's not allowing it. He's not putting it in a place. God, that's not in his design. So you say, well, pastor, where did it come from? 
Well, friend, you've got to have a little bit more common sense than that. Number one, Satan is at work to do evil amongst the people. He's doing it. Number two, we live in a falling state. You say, what does that mean? The moment Adam and Eve accepted the DNA of Satan, it went down through humanity and it created cancers that were not there before. It created opportunities for the enemy to flourish and to thrive. And just bad things happen because bad things happen. Because it wasn't in the original design, but once these blueprints got involved in humanity, all of a sudden now we've got cancers. Now all of a sudden we got people doing evil. Listen to me. It's because we live in a fallen state. And Jesus said it like this. It rains on the just and the unjust alike. What he meant by it was this. Bad things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. And good things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people. It's just life. It's just life. You say, why doesn't God intervene? God is intervening. The problem is you and I aren't in his plan. I have a plan for you, says the Lord. If you continue reading Jeremiah chapter 29, we quoted this last week. He says, if I have a plan, but you've got to come and humble yourself and say, oh God, here am I. So people want God to intervene, but they won't submit and surrender to him. So when you and I submit and surrender, say, God, I'm tired of what I've been living, and I can't make this thing work. I can't keep my marriage together. I can't keep my kids from being little, little hellions. Lord, I can't, I can't even keep a job. I want to get on your plan. God, I surrender to your plan. Show me how to live it. Instead of me saying, hey, God, I know that you have that, but I want to live it like this too. I want to incorporate this into your plan. Can we incorporate this? Because this is real important to me. I want to keep this and this. And can you draw that in? Oh, you won't draw that in. Well, we got a problem, don't we? And this is where most people get sideways with God. Because they want to draw in their plan. They said, no, 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 I want want this addition. He said, no, no, that's not what I have. Because I have a plan to give you a future and a hope. And I promise you, whatever little drawing you can come up with, the great architect has one better. Whatever you think is best for your life, he's got something so much better. As a young man, I dreamed of playing professional sports. Basketball. Man, I'm going to do it, man. I'm going to be awesome. I'm gonna, I'm, and I'm going to use it for God. People are going to get saved. I couldn't even dunk an eight and a half foot goal. How in the world did I think I was going to play professional basketball? For many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's his purposes that will prevail. It's his plans that actually work. So instead of you and I trying to force God to take our little blueprints, our little, our little scratch drawings, our little stick figures, our little Crayola, you know, second grade little drawings, say, God, can you incorporate this? How about we just say, God, what do you have and let me live it? Because I know that you have nothing but plans to prosper me and put me in right, right life and give me a life that is full of joy and happiness and peace and direction. Friend, listen, you and I are struggling because we're trying to fit our plans into his plans. And they don't fit because his plans are eternal. Our plans are temporal because that's how we think. We think temporal. And so with that being said, God does not put evil in the earth. He didn't design it that way. He didn't plan it that way. But evil came into the earth, number one, because Satan is at work. Number two, because we live in a fallen state. And number three, because of our own choices. Some of you are suffering and have evil in your life because what your grandfather did to your father who did that to you. I'm the first man in my family not to cheat on my wife. My natural father, my first stepdad, cheated on my mom. My grandfather cheated on my grandmother. All of my uncles, adulterous affairs on their wives. I'm the first one. 
Why? Because I didn't just get saved. I broke the plans of the enemy. And I went to the plans of the Lord. I stopped that generational curse. I stopped that flow. I stopped because I made a choice. See, go back to my chart on the thing. See, what happens is when we hit these obstacles, we have a choice. That's what he built into us. That's why we are humans. That's why we are in his image, because he gave us the ability to choose. He didn't set his plan in force and, and, and play and say, now, you're going to do just what I tell you to do. If you don't, you're not mine. What God says is, I have a plan for you. It's beautiful. Trust me. But I give you choice. You can pick Satan's plan. You can pick your plan. Or you can pick my plan. And I promise you, my plan's good. Come on. Come on. Let, let me have access to you. Come on, my plan. Why would the creator even do that? That's the kind of love that I don't even grasp. You think about it with your kids. When you're trying to teach them something, you say, hey, listen, listen, I'm going to give you a choice here, but you want to choose what I'm telling you to do. And they go, no, I want to choose this. Yeah, no, no, you're going to choose. No, you're going to do what I told you to do. <laughs> it's hard to let them grow up and make their own choices, isn't it? Can you imagine God the, God the Father who is perfect in his, his decision-making, perfect in his plans, allowing you and I to choose? That is why he can be sovereign But yet difficulties can happen in the world because he's given man choice. He didn't set the difficulty. He didn't set the pain and suffering into humanity. He allowed us to make choices. And our choices have created these things all throughout history. That's why he can be sovereign and we can still have choice. Do you understand? And this is huge, especially for you guys that are struggling with theology. This is huge to grasp this concept. God's plan was perfect. It's always been perfect. It's still going to be perfect. But here's the plan. Here's the beauty. Even though, even though Satan has caused difficulties, even though our decisions have called us difficulties, let me tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says that he's an ever-present help in time of trouble. Do you know what that means? Even though I've made dumb dumb decisions, and I find myself on the wrong path. God, in that moment, is ever-present help in time of trouble. He's now sitting down, designing a way out for me, because the scripture says, even though I've been tempted, he will not allow me to be tempted beyond which I can bear, and even that he's planning a way of escape. So though you got yourself in financial ruin, though you got yourself addicted to porn, though you've destroyed your marriage, though you destroyed your kids, God is working on a plan to get you out of it because he loves you because his plans are always good and he is an ever present help in time of trouble he didn't create the plans and say if y'all don't follow him it's y'all problem better follow him you didn't let see what you got no he's active in my life adam i know you got yourself into that come on buddy i got a plan i'm gonna draw i'm gonna draw you out of this one this is what you're gonna do if you do this and if you'll come and you'll humble yourself and you'll repent to this one if you'll do what i told you in matthew chapter 18 and you'll do this right here whoa i got you set this one's going this one's gonna change the trajectory adam if you'll just do what i'm telling you to do it'll change the trajectory so that you can get to jeremiah 20 29 11 but if you don't then the trajectory begins to go right back to kill steal and destroy He's constantly trying to change the trajectory to help us get out of it. My last big piece that I want you to grasp today, and that is this, is that God uses suffering for his great purposes. That's a tough thing for some people to grasp. He uses suffering for his great purpose. Yeah. He sent Jesus to the earth, and it said, Jesus said to himself, the Son of Man must suffer many things. At the hands of the very people he's come to save. He said, and if you are my disciple, if they killed, beat, lied against the master, what can the servants expect to receive? 
See, here's the piece I need you to understand about suffering. And let's turn real quick to John chapter 9. We'll put it on the screen for you. John chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. If you've been around me, you've heard me quote this before. But it's good for some of you new guys. It says, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples, verse 2, John chapter 9, asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered their bad theology. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this has happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. The theology of the day was if you had something bad in your life, either you sinned that created it, or your parents had sinned, brought, bring in a generational curse upon you. And so they asked him, hey, Jesus, which one was it? What, did he do something? He's been blind since birth. What did he do? Did he sin? In fact, they even believed that you could sin in the womb before you were born. That was, that was the prevailing theology of the day. And, and, and Jesus said, no, he didn't sin, nor did his parents sin. But here's the beauty of this. God can take his sufferings and do something powerful and beautiful with it. With that, I want to show you a quick video of someone who suffered many things. But look how God is taking it and making something beautiful from it. Play that real quick for him. I was born in Melbourne, Australia, 1982. And my parents had no idea that I was going to be born without arms or legs. I was the only one that I ever saw without limbs. My faith in Jesus Christ was sealed after seven years of wondering why, God, I was born this way. Uh, He answered me very clearly through John chapter 9. And I gave my life to Jesus at 15 after reading about how he came across a man who was born blind. And I'm like, hey, hold on a second. This looks interesting. (laughs) And no one knew why he was born that way. I'm like, perfect. So I read on, and in verse 3 of the ninth chapter, Jesus said, it was done so that the works of God would be revealed through him. And I'm like, wow, God, if you had a plan for the blind man, you do have a plan for me. And that was the beginning of my personal relationship with Jesus. Youth groups were starting to call me. Churches were starting to call me. Opportunities were opening up everywhere for me to share my testimony. I was speaking in front of 300 sophomore public high school students. Three minutes into it, half the girls were crying. One girl in the middle of the room started weeping. She put up her hand and she said, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but can I come up there and give you a hug? In front of everyone, she came and she hugged me. She cried on my shoulder and whispered in my ear, no one's ever told me that they love me. No one's ever told me that I'm beautiful the way that I am. I couldn't believe it. It changed my life. At that moment, I knew God was ministering to her through me. It's not by my speech or my power. It was God. And my heart was ignited with a passion. And it was an awesome day to see one soul transformed forever. That was when I knew I was called to be a worldwide evangelist. broken pieces until you give God your broken pieces. And I want you to know when you fall down, God's grace is sufficient. God's hand will come down and pick you up. Give me the strength to get back up. How powerful is that? 
that what you and I would be, feel sorry for, that's right, what you and I would say, oh, God really didn't like you in creation. His design was so messed up. He really messed this one up. What, what you and I would say, poor guy, poor guy, he'll never live a normal life. Through suffering, something magnificent has come from it. Every, every mom in this room, something so, something so difficult, painful, through that, something so beautiful came forth. Your kids, you suffered to give birth to them. See, through suffering, beauty can come. Paul, the apostle in the book of Acts, he's been tormenting Christians. He's been imprisoning them, even having them killed. He has an experience with Jesus on, his, on the road to Damascus. He falls to the ground. After Jesus interacts with him, he gets up and there are scales on his eyes and he's groping around in the dark. And then God speaks to Ananias, a, a leader, a Christian in the movement called The Way, or early Christianity. And he says to you, he says to him, Ananias, I'm going to send Paul to you, or Saul as he was called in those days. And I want you to pray for him. And Ananias says, no, Lord, he's the one going around killing Christians. And then Jesus makes this statement to Ananias. Yeah, but I have a plan for him. And I will show him all that he is going to suffer for my name's sake. I want you to understand something. Paul had much suffering. Jesus had much suffering. And many of the great men and women of the Bible had much suffering. But from their suffering came so, so much beauty and so much power and so much amazing. This man says, listen, I recognize. I don't have arms and feet. But I recognize God when I realized that God had a plan and a purpose with that. Even in that, he can use it for his glory and for his purposes. Even in my difficulty, something amazing can come from it. And with that, I am Embrace the plan of God. I embrace it. No, I'm not going to be mad and angry that I didn't have arms and legs like everybody else. I'm going to embrace the plan of God. And now thousands upon thousands of tens of thousands have come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. When we get to heaven, we're going to ask to borrow his mansion for date night. When we get to heaven, we're going to wish that we can be this guy's friend. Because on earth, he was used in a way that most of us will never be used. Because what looks like such suffering and such horror can be used for such glory. And God takes it and he says, you know what? I know what Satan meant for evil. See, Satan thought if I can kill the Messiah, if I can put him up on a cross, I'll end it. So his plan was to kill it and to end it. What God did was he saw that and he wrote into the whole scheme of it, okay, go ahead and kill him. Because when he dies, he'll resurrect. And when he resurrects, the power of my spirit will go forth to all his followers and there will be a worldwide transformation through what you thought you were going to do for evil, I'm going to turn around and use it for good. So no matter what you're suffering through, get through it. Because whatever you're suffering through, he wants to use it for glory. So instead of rejecting, I bang the devil, I bang the devil, I bang. How about you embrace it and say, God, use it for your glory. Use it for your glory. Paul said it like this after he's been beat many times. After he's preached the gospel around the the Gentile world and birthed many churches and wrote two-thirds of the New Testament church. I mean, New Testament. after After he's done so much to build the New Testament church, he writes it like this. I want to know Christ, the power of his resurrection. And somehow... This is Philippians 3. Somehow to obtain to his likeness and the power of his resurrection and somehow to obtain. I want want to embrace the fellowship 
of his suffering. Paul recognized that true maturity, that true God usefulness comes many times through suffering. Because God can take what the, Satan meant for evil and turn it around for good. Because all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord or are called according to his purposes. And instead of being babies in Christ, instead of being little ninnies, when difficulty happens, we ought to embrace and say, God, how can you get glory through this? How can I make the world see that you are the great God? How can I get my scale back up? How can I take this obstacle and how can I get it to the place where I know I have the plans for you, says the Lord, not to harm you, but to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. See, friend, if you only see what you see right here, and this is as far as you can see the plan of God and the architectural drawings and the blue. If all you see is the little difficulty you're having now, instead of seeing beyond that, that he has a plan to prosper you and to bring you into a beautiful place with him. Instead of seeing that right here and getting lost in this, then what will happen? You'll make wrong decisions. But when you say this suffering is a part of, is a part of my destiny and it's going to bring him glory. And I'll be able to stand in front of people after losing three babies in the womb and stand in front of people who have no hope that they can ever give birth and lay hands on them and say, you will have a child. I can have that because I've been through something, because I got scars and I walk a little bit with a limp. And I say, listen, you can do it. I'm telling you, I did it. You can do it. And because I've gone through something, I can help you go through something. And instead of rejecting it and being mad at God and say, how dare the God of heaven and earth let bad things happen to good people. Instead of saying that, say, listen, I'm like Paul. I want to somehow embrace that whole suffering like God did, like Jesus did, and somehow become like him in that process. And because of that, I can change the world. Friend, when you get that, then you'll understand the great architect and what he's trying to do in mind in your life. When we come back next week, I'm going to teach you how his blueprints for his life and her blueprints for her life overlapped to make the body and to build something so magnificent. Stand with me all across the room.